think I might have shared this quote before, but there was a, a, a late uh, preacher by the name of Haddon Robinson who was known by many to be called the uh, champion of biblical preaching. And he defined preaching as this. Preaching is the art of talking in somebody else's sleep. Let that sink in for a minute. The art of talking in somebody else's sleep. And some of you are already living that. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. Now notice Paul didn't say it pleased God through foolish preaching. He said through the foolishness of preaching, through what might seem like a simple way for God to communicate, he chose preaching. Because God knows that left to ourself, we're probably not going to come to him. We're not going to know him in a way if we just depend on our own rationale. And so he's taken the simplicity of preaching his word to declare life-changing truth. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my years of ministry where I've thought, you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense what we do on Sunday morning sometimes. I mean, who in their right mind is going to take time out of a Sunday morning to come into a building, sing a few songs, listen to somebody speak for 20, 30 minutes, exaggerate a little bit, go home, forget 95% of what I heard, and then come back the following week and do it all over again. That doesn't make a lick of sense. Unless you understand that when we come together in the house of God, we're not just coming to listen to a lecture. We're not just coming to listen to a sermon. We are coming to open our hearts to God to receive a word that he is uniquely fashioned for us. Even if it's that word is going forth to everyone in the crowd, he has the way by the Holy Spirit to apply it to me. It might be a word that encourages me. It might be a word that actually exposes something in me that I've kind of been blind to or I've been fooling myself about. The Lord has a unique way of doing that. Our scripture this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to invite you to read it with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. And I see we still have the song up there. Here we go. Will you read this with me, please? Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. I've entitled this series this morning, we're going to be talking about this topic for the next couple of weeks, I've entitled it Fake News, which most of us understand is a recent catchphrase. It's actually, that term's been around since the late 1800s, early 1900s, but it's a catchphrase that we're seeing a lot more being used today, and it speaks about the deliberate misinformation that is spread through various forms of the media, whether it's the newsprint or the, uh, you know, the broadcast media, social media, whatever it may be. But the purpose of fake news, it's produced with the intent of getting your attention, grabbing your attention with some tintillating little bit of so-called truth or information, and in doing that, getting you to believe what is falsely a lie in order to form a narrative that they want you to begin to think about, begin to believe is actually true. The problem with fake news is it makes it very difficult for the average person like you and me to actually discern between what is true and what is a lie. It makes it very difficult for us to actually form an informed opinion on any particular issue. 
Now, the context of the verse we just read earlier has to do with one scheme that the devil uses. And then Paul says how to neutralize that scheme. Paul says we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, Paul was telling the truth in saying that, but I have found in my years of walking with the Lord that by way of practical application, that is really only half true. We are not unaware of the devil's schemes. And the reason I say that's only half true is because even though there's no reason for us to be aware of the devil's tactics, because they are clearly revealed to us in the Word of God, they are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, as we walk with him, there's no reason for us to be unaware And yet the truth, as I find in our daily lives, is oftentimes we are slow to recognize those schemes. We don't have a reason not to be aware, but we are slow to recognize them, and therefore the devil's schemes oftentimes succeed in people's lives, especially those who don't know the Lord, but even those of us who profess to walk in the light. So this morning what I want to do is I want to remind us that every single one of us here, Whatever you may look like on the outside, however well you may think you have it all together, every one of us in one way or another, we are victims of a calculated spiritual strategy that has been put together for your defeat. That's what is happening. All of us are susceptible to that. Another translation uh, warns this way. It says, lest Satan should take advantage of us. Taking advantage has to do with deliberately defrauding a person to take something from them or for your own gain. I was really excited about a week and a half ago. I received a fax in the office with my name addressed to me, and it said, Dear Mr. Patterson, we want to inform you, I'm just kind of paraphrasing, we want to inform you that so-and-so who shares your last name passed away a few months ago and has no heir to his $7.8 million estate. They said, now, since there is no blood relative, we came across your name, and if you're willing, we can do the necessary paperwork so you can actually inherit that fortune. Small stipulation is we asked that you would share it with us 50-50. Well, so I did the math, realized at least with like a paltry $3.9 million, and realized it wasn't worth my trouble. So I didn't bother doing it. A week later, I got another fax offering me $10 million. 10% goes to charity, and 40% goes to the other person. So not as good of a deal, but it left me a little bit more. But I must have got tied up in something else, forgot about it. It just came to my mind. Now, the reality is there's probably nobody in this room here this morning who is going to fall for some kind of scheme that involves millions of dollars, right? Especially if it comes from Nigeria, some prince. You know, you're not going to fall for that. But I do know that there are people in this room who have fallen for schemes that involve maybe hundreds of dollars or a few thousand dollars. In fact, I spoke to a gentleman a few years ago who has since moved away, a wonderful young guy, very sincere, very sincere, but he actually fell for a scam and he ended up losing $25,000 thinking that he was helping somebody. And so it's, it's very easy for us to be duped into believing scams that maybe involve a less amount of money. But what I want us to understand is that that is exactly how Satan works. Paul says that he takes advantage of you. He outwits you. He outmaneuvers you. And the way he does that is he lays a whole bunch of claims against you. He levels all these lies against you. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, he is a liar. He has been a liar from the beginning. All he does is tell lies. In fact, any time that he tells you anything that might even resemble a small truth, It is for the purpose of setting you up for another lie. 
That, that's how he works. And there's seldom big lies. I mean, there's seldom things he tells you that you can just recognize and go, yeah, right. He doesn't do that. Instead, what he does, in fact, the word advantage means, it means to overreach. It means to surround. What that means is, Paul is saying, when the devil comes to you with his lies, he comes to you with little lies. And he tells you a little lie here, maybe something about some person, a little lie here, maybe something about a situation, something you're reading into, a little lie here, maybe something about yourself, and he masterfully surrounds you with all these little lies that he then weaves together so that they encase you, they shroud you, and then he begins to bring them in, bring them in, and put a squeeze on you. That's how he works against us. In fact, this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 has to do, Paul says, with the need for the congregation in the city of Corinth to forgive some people in the church who really messed up. That's what he's talking about in the context here. And when Paul appeals them to be forgiving, he says they must be forgiving. Why? So that, read verse 11 again with, with me, will you? Okay, I'm getting a different thing here. That's what's throwing me off. Okay, let's read this together. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. What is Paul saying? He's saying unforgiveness is one of Satan's schemes. Now, it's not where we're going this morning. We're not going to be dealing with that. But I make reference to it to understand that Paul is saying is that unforgiveness is just one of the many schemes that the devil uses and will attach with other things in order to shut you down in some way. Uh, some of us here this morning, for example, you may be well aware of it. You may not be. Most times we are. But there are certain areas in you. It could be joy. It could be trust. It could be a flow of Holy Spirit ministry, whatever it is. But it's not happening because you have bought into unforgiveness. There's unforgiveness. It could be physical healing. A number of things that just aren't being released in your life because the devil has used unforgiveness as a weapon against you. And to this point, he is succeeding. Now, in the days ahead, we're going to look at some other schemes that work in various areas of our life, but we're going to look at them for the purpose of being informed, being encouraged, and also being delivered from them. But I want us to understand that there are schemes of the devil. Do you hear me this morning? There really are schemes of the devil. There really are spiritual weapons that have been shaped for you to come against you and to put you where you are if you kind of feel kind of locked down in your walk with Christ. And yet here's something most Christians never think about. If I were to ask you, for example, do you believe that around the world today that leading retail companies meet on a regular basis in order to examine the public, in order to discuss, to come up with strategies to better sell their product? to get the human population to buy new things, things that they don't need, but we need a new style this year. We need to, you know, cut that, you know, uh, blouse a different way. We need to hem the pants up a half an inch more than they were the last couple of years because if we don't, people aren't going to buy new things. So we believe that there are people who actually sit around advertising agencies, merchandising agencies for that purpose. There are people who actually sit around in the boardrooms of Hollywood, New York, Toronto, Vancouver, wherever it may be, where they're making movies, they're reading over new scripts, they're coming up with new television series, aren't they? 
right, that they're ready to launch in September. Why? Because they're looking for a new audience. They want to grow the audience. They want to be able to get more advertisers, make more revenue, right? Well, if I was to tell you that, most of us, I'm sure, would say, hey, yeah, that's not a far stretch. That's true. We believe that. We understand all that. And we understand they do it because they can't rely on last year's product. There's always a new approach. And although we may not give a whole lot of thought about it in, in the course of our day, I think most of us agree that we are inundated by aggressive marketing techniques targeted at one thing, how to separate you from your money. I mean, there are people who very deliberately do that because they're just making it. They're not bad people. It's just how the industry works. We're all aware of that, whether you fall for it or not. And yet most believers never stop to think that in the conference rooms of the powers of darkness, that there are very real strategies that are being devised that are being tailor-made to defeat you, to come against you. I'm not talking about a general plan. It's just applied to everybody. I'm talking about a detailed plan that are designed by demons specifically targeting you. And their aim is to discourage you. Their aim is to demean you, is to wear you down little by little with doubt and circumstances and frustration and unbelief and to crush you. That is the plan. Or to lock you into where you may be where you're really not effective and you certainly are not experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus destroyed the powers of sin for us to experience. It also says in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what? The schemes of the devil. Here you have that same word again. The Bible also says in Isaiah 54, the Lord says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. That's a powerful promise, isn't it? That's a rich, rich promise. There is no weapon, God says, that is formed against you that has the power to succeed. If you're walking with me, I'm going to take this jacket off because I know you're saying, Pastor Paul, you are too overdressed for a Sunday morning. I can tell I'm offending some of you. Actually, it's a little, little warm in here, and I'm just getting going. No weapon fashioned against, uh, formed against you is going to succeed. Wonderful promise. But the fact is, it does reveal that there are weapons fashioned against you. And so this morning, what I want to talk about, I want to talk about how the Bible shows in God's Word what these schemes are, some of them, and then how they show up in our feelings, the way we conduct ourselves. And finally, I just want to conclude with how the Lord recently helped me to pinpoint what I believe are demonic schemes that were fashioned specifically to just surround me and squeeze me in. And I want you to understand something this morning, friends. The devil is not paying any more attention to me than he's paying to you. Don't think he doesn't bother with you because, you know, whatever, your perception of influence, whatever. No, he comes after all of us. Different strategies, but with the same hatred and the same intensity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul writes these words. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul names these three things. He says there are thoughts, there are arguments. How many of you have had those arguments in your head? You know, you're upset with somebody. Maybe you talk to them for a moment. When they walked away, you thought, oh, man, if I had thought, I should have said this. Oh, 
man, I can't believe I missed that. You know, or just this, these reasons that go on in your head. You know, somebody's totally oblivious. Somehow they've offended you. you don't even, they don't even know it. But you just have this whole rationale going in your head. They should know better. They know what they did. I can't believe. Next time I see it. Am I the only one that thinks this way? No? Okay. I mean, you know, you can imagine the battle I go through up here. You know, when I'm, when I'm preaching the word and eight or ten people are, you know, walking out. What goes on through my head? Would I say something wrong? Did I offend them? You know, is the sermon too long? Is it too dry? You know, they may just be going to the bathroom. But all these rationales, all these reasons, we all know what that is like. And Paul says the devil fashions them together to form strongholds in our life. And my point this morning is, friends, we need to recognize them, we need to confront them, and we need to cast them out of our lives. The word thought is very interesting. It's the same word in the original language that is translated schemes that we just read in chapter 2. They are thoughts that have a malicious intent, or a malignant intent. What I mean by that is that their thoughts, if not tended to, they spread. And they will bring death in areas of our life and relationship. They're not just passing thoughts. These are the product of demons, hear me, friends, who watch you closely. They know how you respond. They know what's in your heart oftentimes. They know your insecurities. They have grown up with you. They know your wounds. They know the damage that has been done to you. They know what they've already built into your psyche. They know what you believe of God. They know what you don't believe. Regardless of what you look like on the outside, they know how you work. They know the pattern of your life. They know how to set a trap for you and take advantage over you. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that word is actually used to describe a military strategy that has to do with lying in ambush. You may remember the story in Joshua chapter 8, for example. In Joshua, uh, when they go into the promised land, they come up first against the city of Jericho. They destroy the, the city of Jericho under God's instruction, very clear strategy, Jericho is destroyed. The next city they're going to take on is Ai. Now, they're getting kind of cocky, thinking, okay, no problem, great victory, AI's smaller, we got this. They go up against AI, the citizens of AI come against them, kill a whole bunch of Israelis, and basically send them running away frightened. So they gather their thoughts that day, and what went wrong, and so on. They re re realize they have to inquire of the Lord what the problem was. The Lord says there's hidden sin in the camp. They deal with that, and then with the Lord's direction, they devise another plan. And what they do is they go against this same city of AI, which if you're wondering, is spelled AI. They go against Ai. The enemy sees them coming, thinking, what are these guys coming back for another beat? And we're going to go out and, and, and get them. So the enemy army comes out of the city. They come against the Israelis who turn and flee. The reason they turn and flee is because they want to lure the enemy out of the city. Because the night before, they had sent troops to lie in ambush behind the city. So when the enemy ran out of the city for quite some distance, a safe way away, the, uh, the rest of the Israelis went into the city of Ai, lit it on fire. When the people of Ai see the city, they turn around, which is quite some distance now. They're running back to their city to try to save it. The Israelis who were fleeing now have turned around. They are running behind the armies of Ai. And then out of the city of Ai come the other Israelis, and you have an Ai burger. A sandwich. They are sandwiched, and they are defeated. That was the strategy of the ambush. The reason I mention that is because when God warns us about the schemes of the devil, 
the thoughts, the schemes, the same word he uses in the Old Testament in this situation, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that the strategy of the devil against you, it's not just to surround you. It is, first of all, to draw you out of your place of security. That's where the devil defeats you. Are you hearing me this morning? The devil defeats you when he draws you out of the city of refuge, when he draws out of your refuge, who is Jesus Christ. When he draws you out of your only protection, when he can get you rather than thinking with the thoughts of Christ, when he can get you away from the word of God so you have no light to see the schemes of the enemy, when he can get you operated in your natural thinking, he has drawn you out of your only protection and then he surrounds you with all of these lies that he has mashfully knit together. He does it to all of us and he puts the squeeze on you and you begin to try to defeat the enemy in the flesh. And you don't have a chance. You are defeated. He may not rob your salvation. He may, but he may not. But he will shut you down. He will make your life hell. And if your life is hell, your family's life is going to be hell. Your spouse's life is going to be hell. Your children's life is going to be hell. That cloud and darkness will come into your home. It will come into your workplace. You see, it will just shut you down. He will rob you of joy. He will rob you of confidence. He will rob you of a boldness that will say, not in my house, devil. In the name of Jesus, I see what you're doing. I know who you are, and I know who I am. And you will not rule in this place. This place, my heart, my home, my workplace, there will be life. There will be joy. There will be freedom. Oh, it doesn't mean there won't be struggles, but I'll recognize where the struggle's coming from. I'll recognize the strategies of the enemy as the Lord reveals, and I will confront you, and I will overthrow you, and I will cast you down, and I will walk in the freedom for which Christ has made me free. That's the reality of the spiritual battle Paul's talking about. So when God says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper, he wants us to understand there are weapons that are fashioned against you. And that word fashioned just means something that's put together. I mean, it can be a sword, it can be a spear, but it can also be, you know, in, the, in those days they made their, their, their plates, their, their cups, you know, on the, out of clay on the wheel. They spun it around and they fashioned a plate. And what the Lord wants us to understand, the point of this is the devil doesn't always try to run you through with a sword. He can come up to you very masterfully with a plate just full of stuff. Just full of little stuff. Little accusations, little problems, little circumstances, and say, this is for you. And we accept all of those things as that's just life. We all go through stuff. We all have things come against us. And how many of us here this morning have had something set before us and we just accept it as something we have to swallow? It's not that we're paranoid. But we need to recognize oftentimes what it is. It is a scheme that is served up to you for your defeat. And we need to remind it, friends, the devil never stops. He never lets down his guard. He never slackens off. He never gives you a break. These lies and schemes are constantly, constantly in production. And I wonder how many of you, like me, have had times when you don't even necessarily know why, but you just feel like, a spiritual numbness has kind of crept into your heart. I mean, you love the Lord. It's not about that. You love the Lord. You want to serve the Lord. You want to honor the Lord. But there's just no confidence. There's no joy. They're just not there for some reason. You ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like me sometimes, just this haunting sense of inadequacy? 
failure? Like, who am I fooling? What am I doing here? Am I the only one? Even if you have to lie, raise your hand. Help the preacher. You may not even know why you feel that way, but then something happens that just seems to confirm it all the more. And you start thinking, man, I'm an idiot. I even use harsher words of myself sometimes, you know? I guess I just want to have what it takes. And what happens is those thoughts, they can develop into feelings of unworthiness, feelings of guilt and shame, feelings of self-loathing. Let me encourage you this morning, if you are guilty of something, please understand that may be true, but you don't have to live in the guilt. You see, we can bring it to the Lord if we will confess it. Confession is what destroys the guilt. It removes the guilt. But I want us to understand, friends, that those thoughts that demons serve up to you and they say you have to swallow, those are the schemes that are fashioned to shut you down. And you don't have to give in to them as easily as you do and as I do. I'm coming to the final point of the message. I want to give you an example of how the Lord helps me to pinpoint some of that sometimes in my own life. Last Saturday, we had a great day here. We had the uh, fall kickoff, the carnival. I uh, had a lot of church folk, a lot of children. We brought it inside because the weather was uncertain, so the place was full. Had the bouncy castle out there somehow, miraculously it fit. It was out there. The gym was filled all, everywhere in between, lots of kids. Uh, we had you know, lots of adults and children from Glad Tides. I think we had probably as many, maybe a few less, but it seemed like as many faces. We didn't even know, just people from the community, people that are connected through ministries through the week or were invited up by uh, Glad Tidings people or maybe even invited up by some of the guests themselves. Had a full house. Then we came in, had some hot dogs, and, and came in here, and we, we uh, had a great night with uh, uh, the Christian comedian, um, Leland Klassen had a great night. Went home eventually. Uh, Sunday morning, get up with a sense of anticipation. You know, it's kind of our kickoff Sunday. Uh, we had a great crowd. Um, you know, for those of us who are in the know, you know, we knew what was going on. Uh, Pastor Chris and Deborah Lee, they were all ready for the kickoff Sunday, not knowing what was going on, but we had uh, planned a little surprise for them. So uh, we were celebrating, for those who weren't here last Sunday, we were celebrating their 20th year of being with us, ministry here at Glad Tidings. So, so we were making preparations early in the morning, trying to keep everything secret from them to the very end. I uh, had a you know, great, great crowd in the morning. We took over most of the service for our celebration uh, for their 20th, and so we were just excited to uh, give them gifts and show them love and, and speak into them and, and have their response. And then we, uh, the highlight of the service, uh, there was no preaching. Remember that? Yeah, well, hold on to that, okay? It's going to be a long time before you get that again, but there was no preaching. But uh, we just felt, you know, in the 15 minutes that we had left, which is impossible to preach and we know, but uh, in that period of time, we just came back for some worship, and the Lord just moved in in 15, 20, 25 minutes. Just a rich sense of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. People came to the altar, and people came to commit their lives to Christ, rededicate their lives to Christ. The Lord moved in a wonderful way. Then we all went out. If you remember, into the gym, had a great crowd that stayed behind and had some fellowship and cake and drinks. And then we had, uh, we, you know, these terrible guys save Pastor Susan so she didn't have to get duct taped to the wall. Pastor Ben got duct taped to the wall. And uh, just, it was an all-around good morning. We just left excited and, and, and just so good to be part of the family of God. And like the video said earlier, just thanking the Lord for our church family. Wonderful time of fellowship. Well, Eventually got home around uh, 2 o'clock or something like that, did a little bit of work, went out and did some visitation, came home, 
uh, had some documents to finish up for the land development and some things we still have to finish up there with the business trust. And so I put a couple hours of work into that. Uh, got some things ready for the, for the board on Tuesday. Got some things ready for, uh, for Monday that I have to get sent off. Uh, sorry, Priscilla, I'm going way too fast here. Just say it's not important what he's saying. Um, but, you know, so I, so I had to, uh, you know, get all those things in place and then probably had about an hour or two to relax with Vanessa before going to bed. That was last Sunday night. Well, no sooner had I gotten to bed and I began to think about the land development items that are still, you know, just taking longer than you like. There's just, you always seem to find a little something. It's not a big deal, but it's just another little thing you can get done by the lawyer or business meetings, like I mentioned earlier. Just things you have to get done in kind of a few more weeks, a couple weeks before we finalize everything. And as clearly as if it were Vanessa speaking to me, as I lay there in the bed, probably just two minutes laying down, I felt within myself a voice say, you know, Paul, you're blowing it. You really don't do anything well, do you? Now, the irony, considering the day we enjoyed, is that my first response to those words was to believe it. And to begin to think to myself, you know, that's true. I mean, when I think of things that still really aren't going according to plan, I really don't have very much to offer. Things really aren't going that well. And I'll tell you more about what happened in a moment, but that's where I was right then. That's the thought that I received. And, and some of you might be thinking, well, Paul, you're just being hard on yourself. You know, some of you might be thinking, no, Paul, you're dead on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But my friends are probably thinking, no, you're too hard on yourself. But that's not what it was. What it was, was demonic weapons being fashioned against me, and they began to wear me down. About two days later, I'm in the office again, and I was spending some time with a young man, he's not here this morning, but a young man whose marriage has fallen apart or was falling apart. He recognized where he was failing, he felt broken, he felt defeated, he didn't see how things were possibly going to turn around. I mean, between the dysfunction in the marriage and some of his own personal struggles. And during that conversation, as he's pouring his heart out, somebody who should know better, somebody who's been in church many, many years, as he's pouring his heart out and confessing the sin and some stuff his wife didn't even know about, we're talking through those things. Again, I just hear these thoughts in my mind that I really began to struggle with, and the thoughts went kind of something like this. You know, Paul, you talk a good talk. And you talk about, you preach about what it means to serve Jesus and, and all that the Lord can do. And you talk about some of the wonderful things he's doing in people's lives here at Glad Tidings. But you see this guy? That's the real fruit of your ministry. That's about all you've accomplished in 12 years. That, that's really what Glad Tidings is. It's, it's a mess. That's, that's really as fruitful as you are. Really, you're a failure. Now, I'm here to tell you this morning that although these things were designed to defeat me, the defeat didn't happen, but I want to tell you why, because I think it might be helpful when things like that happen to you that happen to me. Now, the first thing I usually do when I get those thoughts of discouragement or apathy, whatever it may be, is I just ask myself two questions. Number one, are you eating right? Are you getting enough rest? It doesn't sound very spiritual, but friends, you need to remember that. 
Because the reality is, if you're not taking care of yourself physically, oftentimes, you know, it can be expressed through that kind of mood. And it's just the chemistry. It's just the Big Mac. It's just the lethargy, the fact you haven't gotten out for a walk, but you haven't had a chance to clear your head. But that particular day, I knew it wasn't those things. Those things weren't the issues that time. And so the next step was to come to a place of what I would call just basic prayer. What I mean by that in basic prayer is that you take all of these thoughts and you bring them before the Lord. In the light of His presence, you bring every thought, every rationale, every argument, every opinion, no matter how bad you may feel about them. And the reason you do that is because you understand that the presence of the Lord is our only real defense in those times when those thoughts are being strategically put together to defeat you or to shut you down. It's the light of His presence. It's the light of His Word. And then the next thing you do when you come to the Lord's presence is you speak those things out. At least I do. Because I find that when I speak those accusations out in the presence of the Lord, the Lord has an opportunity to show me the incredible lie that is wrapped up in this what might be a tiny shred of whatever truth there may be. The Lord shows you that. For example, when I was laying in bed thinking about the land development, my thought was this. It just seems like there's always another issue. I mean, we're being as diligent as we can be, as responsible, we're you know, asking the right people, but it, it just seems like there's always another delay. That's how I'm thinking. But here's how the thoughts become feelings. What I begin to feel is, why can't you do anything right? Maybe it's time for somebody else. Maybe it's time just to get out of the way. And then there's that young man sitting across from me as we talk through his problem. And I knew when I was talking to him, he didn't need a sermon about sin. He was repentant. There were tears. He was looking for someone to give him direction. And yet, even as we're speaking, the enemy is whispering to me, Paul, you're just too easy on him. You're too compromising. I mean, you need to nail this sin between the eyes. I mean, you're, you're just too tolerant. And yet, inside me, there's another voice that's saying what this man needs is hope and assurance, and truth, and direction. And then later as I was praying with him, something began to well up within me. And I began to pray something like this, Lord, I just thank you for my brother. And I thank you that although he's messed up and we're right here in the middle of this muddle, I thank you, Lord, that his heart is to please you. I thank you that his heart is to submit himself to spiritual leadership because he wants to find a way out. He wants to walk in your ways. That's something the world doesn't care about, friends. The world could care less what God thinks. The world could care less whether or not it's pleasing God. But I have a man here who didn't need to be here in my office, who didn't need to open up his heart, but is doing that because he's saying, I don't want to just get to my situation. I want to honor God. I want to serve God. And yet I live in a culture where everybody around the water cooler, any guy I talk to gives me the wrong advice. It's always leave her. You deserve better. You deserve whatever the case may be. I don't want those lies. I want a word from God. And I said, Lord, I just thank you. That's my brother's heart. And as I continued to pray, that voice became louder than the voice of the, of the demons. And that voice of the Holy Spirit began to say to me, Paul, this is what I'm doing at Glad Tidings. Sinners are repenting. People who fall down are getting up by the grace of God. Paul, 
here's the fruit. Here's the fruit. You see, the devil says that the problem, that the sin, that the mess, there's the fruit of your ministry. The Holy Spirit says, no, that's a lie from the devil. I want to tell you the truth. Here's the fruit. Redemption, salvation, healing, hope, restoration. That's what I'm doing in my church. May not get it right all the time, but that's what I'm doing, especially if there are hearts that are open to the Lord to walk in his way. And friends, I want to encourage you this morning because I doubt there's any one of us here today who was not used by God in some way this past week. It may not be dramatic, but it may have just been that you cared about somebody. Maybe you prayed for somebody. Maybe you prayed with somebody. Maybe you touched a life. Maybe you just encouraged somebody. But whatever it is you do, I can promise you, there's a voice in your ear from the powers of darkness that say, it's not enough. Whatever you did, you didn't do it right. Whatever you did, you should have done more. You don't do anything that counts, really counts for God. That's the lie of the enemy. I mentioned earlier that I would finish with just sharing how the Lord recently helped me pinpoint some of those schemes that were fashioned specifically for me to surround me and discourage me and to shut me down. I brought those thoughts before the Lord. And this might sound a little silly, but I, I saw in my mind's eye, as I was kneeling before the Lord, I just saw myself being wrapped up in plastic wrap. Just, just kind of like that wrap you get from Amazon. You know, you order something, those nice big thick pads you, you know, you want to keep. You'll never use them again, but they're cool and I'm sure I can find a purpose. Well, I just felt like I was wrapped up in all that. And so I began to bring these things before the Lord. I began to say, Lord, this is what I've been thinking about myself. This is what I've been thinking about this particular situation. And as I begin to talk about those things, but at the same time to worship the Lord and say, but Lord, this is what you say about me. This is how you're leading us. I began to feel in that praise a release come. And, and literally, I did this. I began to just peel it off me. I just began it one at a time. I began to name it, and I just peeled it off, and I threw it across the room. And I peeled off another one, and I threw it across the room. And I peeled off another one, and I threw it across the room. And I tell you, you're going to think I'm really nuts. That's not bad enough. When I was done, nobody was around, okay? But when I was done, I went over to where I threw it, and I picked it all up in my arms, and I walked all the way out to the back of the church, and I threw it in the dumpster. Because that's where it belongs. Now, I know that sounds foolish, and if you're visiting, you think I'm crazy, and I kind of am. But I peeled that stuff off as if it were real. You know why? Because it is real. It's real in the invisible realm. And like I said, it might sound foolish, but what I want you to see this morning is that even though the schemes of the devil are in the spirit realm, they are tangible and they are real. And they are no less real, no less destructive than any physical weapon that is fashioned against you. Friends, we've got to understand there are schemes, there are strategies, plans, there are tangible things in the realm of the Spirit that he, if we could see, this, you're going to think of a flake, but if we could see in, with our spiritual eye right now, I promise you, we would see demons sitting on people's shoulders. We would see people pierced through with spiritual swords. We would see chains. We would see minds probably just penetrated with stick pens, just all the lies that have been believed. 
And that's why the Lord says the weapons of our warfare, they're not physical, they are spiritual. The Lord will show you things and he will say, now confronted in the authority of Jesus Christ by the power of his blood, by the truth of his word, I've shown you these things, now get rid of them and cast them down. And it's not a coincidence that when you do, immediately, I feel free. I feel free. How is that? It's not just in the mind, my friends. They are real spiritual weapons that the enemy uses. Now, I'm not saying go look for a demon behind every bush. I can promise you there probably are. I don't go looking for them. I don't waste my time with them. But when they come against me, when they come against our people, when they come against whatever the Lord reveals to me, then I've got to rise up and do battle. Not looking for a fight. But when the fight comes, we've got to recognize that we are being assaulted and not just excuse it, blow it off as just normal things everybody goes through. Some things are. But there are also times the Lord will say, no, no, this is spiritual. There's something behind this. And I want you to address it. I want to show you what it is, and I want you to address it because it is a scheme to defeat you. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me as we wrap up. Friends, the devil will always try to ambush you. He, he, he will come at you from every direction with his lies so that you begin to think, you know what, that's true. That really is who I am. That really is what my life is, is going to be. That's all it's going to be. I may hate it, but I have to swallow it. But what it is, my friends, it is a weapon, a lie that's been fashioned against you. And the reason that word fashioned is so important Oh, friends, I don't want to give the devil more credit than he's, than he's worth, you know. But you've got to understand, the demons that work in your life and against you, they know you. They know you. They know how you think. They know where you were raised. They know what any damage that was done to you. They know your insecurities. They know how to distract you and get you to try this and try that. This is the answer. That's the answer to find significance. As long as it continues just to lead you away from the Lord and your relationship with him. As long as they can draw you out of the only fortress of protection that you have from where you can fight, if they can draw you out, then they have you. But there is a way to overcome those schemes. The Lord says, anything fashioned against you will not succeed. I don't want it to. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to grow. It doesn't have to prosper. It can be nipped in the bud. It can be confronted no matter how big it is. It can be cast down. And the way you do that, I've already shared it. Number one, don't be unaware of them. And friends, can I say this with all kindness? If you don't read the word of God, you don't have a chance. <laughs> There's nothing I can do for you. I don't know how many times, and don't let this discourage you if you ever want to talk. I don't know how many times I sit down with somebody, whether it's marriage, finance, whatever it may be, and probably 9.9 .9 times out of 10, the person has never opened the word of God or seldom does. And oftentimes wants advice to get out of this. Friends, you're not going to undo spiritual schemes in your rational mind. You've got to be in the Word of God. You've got to be in the presence of the Lord. So don't be unaware of them. That's where the Lord will show you through His Word and His Spirit what's going on. Number two, believe God's promise that they will not succeed against you. And number three, bring every demonic thought before Jesus and destroy it. It's real stuff. We're going to talk more about next week, uh, another way that He comes against us, and we're going to talk about how He actually uses us in His work against others. Will you stand with me? We need to give the Lord a hand. Amen? The Lord has not left us defenseless. 
It's for freedom that you've been set free. But it's not just for my freedom. Having been set free, Jesus says, now freely you give. You go and set the captives free by what I've given you in your freedom, that power. As we just, I'm going to ask the worship team just to sing a song that we sang last week, a beautiful song, No Longer a Slave to Fear. And as he does, I'm going to ask you to do something simple. And if you're new, don't be embarrassed because you'll look as crazy as anybody else around you, so you won't stand out. We're all going to do this, okay? I just want to ask you, lift your hands a little bit. I don't mean Pentecostal crazy, just, you know, just a little bit, okay? And as Pastor Kristen leads us, would you just say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and unwrap whatever the enemies wrap me up in. And you may know what it is that the Holy Spirit speaks to you right now. Now, if you're really bold, you might just kind of go, nobody looking, just, you know. But if you don't do it physically, in your mind, do it. As the Holy Spirit shows you, say, Jesus, I renounce that lie. Peel it away. Peel it away. I renounce the lie that the enemy has painted in my mind against my husband or my wife or my children or my parents. Whatever it may be, I, I just renounce that lie. So as the, as the worship team ministers, would you just do that? You can close your eyes. Just take these next two or three minutes in the presence of the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you things you may know already. Jesus I agree with you, with your truth. I don't want to be shut down anymore. I, I don't want this dryness, this numbness. I don't want what it's doing to people I love. I don't want to do what it's doing to me. I don't like the way it shut down my ministry, the flow of your spirit. Jesus set me free this morning. Set me free. Peel it away, and Lord, throw it away. I don't want it. I want to be free. Let's just do that, will we, before we close this morning. Thank you, Jesus.